Today I'm going to uh, share with you a question, an answer, and the hope that we can have because of the answer to that question. Uh, The question is one that any of us uh, could ask uh, from time to time. The answer to this question is timeless, and the hope is something that I want all of us to know with certainty. The question is an honest question, a question that I've asked before, a question that you will likely have asked before and maybe asking right now. It's the kind of question that we might ask when we are under a dark cloud. A few years ago, I was living under a dark cloud. I went off to a a ministry workshop over a week and we had to do an exercise of introducing ourselves by drawing a mural. Uh, The extent of my art skills only extend as far as my imagination. They do not come out through my hand. But I can remember very vividly at that time as I was forced to put down on paper a picture of my life and who I was right then that on this A1-sized piece of paper, I drew a great, big, dark cloud. For me, I was going through a time of deep sadness. There was lots of disappointment going on. Uh, There was loss. There was breakdown in my extended family. Uh, There was loss of loved ones. There was grief. And while we might be told every cloud has a silver lining, it's also true that with every dark cloud comes thunderstorms and rain. We all go through seasons where we feel like a dark cloud is hanging over us. In a world of suffering and pain, in days that we go through where we are uncertain for the future, where we might face fear, anxiety and instability, here is our question. God, don't you care? Have you ever asked that question before? Been on your lips, been in your mind, God, don't you care? One of the reasons I think we perhaps don't verbalise it is that it comes up in our minds and almost at that moment when it gets to our lips, we kind of catch ourselves and say, is it okay to ask that kind of question? Is it okay to ask God, don't you care? Well, we're not the first one to ask the question. You're not the first one to ask that question. I'm not the first one to ask that question. For centuries, people have been asking big questions of God when they have been in the face of death. And if you're bold enough to ask that question, if you are bold enough to ask the question, God, don't you care? And... If God is big enough to hear that, we are wise if we listen to the answer. 
We're going to turn now to Mark chapter 4 and come across some men who ask this question. Have you got your Bibles there? Mark chapter 4, we're heading to verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher! Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Did you hear the question? In the face of fear and death, Jesus' friends, Jesus' disciples ask him, do you not care that we are perishing? Now Jesus and his closest friends are very accustomed to being in boats, very accustomed to being on lakes and great inland seas. Some of them are seasoned fishermen. Yet in this small boat that they find themselves on this night, they are in a fierce storm. A storm like they have never seen before. The kind of storm where waves are crashing up over the deck. Have you been to the War Memorial here in Canberra, and as you go through the entranceway into the first part of the museum, there's a a landing boat there from, I think, from World War I. The fishing boats from round about Jesus' day are round about the same size of that. Look pretty much like that, the same kind of sides, wooden, old, beaten up. The only thing is they might have had a, a mast up there, with a sail. That's the kind of boat that they're in and waves are crashing over the boat. The the timber of the boat is, is creaking under the strain of the forces of the water and the wind that are pushing up against it. As the, as the, um, uh, as Jesus' disciples are there, as they're standing, the, the, the spray that is being whipped up by the waves is not a Refreshing splash on the face, but it is stinging their skin. It is cutting into their eyes. The howl of the wind that was blowing through the air and through their sails was drilling into their ears. And as they looked at one another, in each other's eyes, they could see nothing but adrenaline and fear. As they looked up, as they looked out, as they looked at one another, as they looked up the weather forecast on their weather app on their mobile phones, 
There was nothing to give them any reassurance that it was going to be okay. They were convinced that they were going to die. And in the midst of this fearful chaos, Jesus is sleeping. A comedian might say it's a stern sleep. But this is not a comedy. The men are sure that they will die. They go to Jesus, verse 38. They wake him up and they say to him, Don't you care that we are perishing? Imagine that you were on board. You got that picture of that boat in the World War I memorial? Imagine that you were on that boat in a fierce, fierce storm. That you are absolutely petrified. Convinced that you and the people with you are going to die and Jesus is up the front of the boat taking a nana nap. Wouldn't you be in a hurry to wake him up? Not just so that he's there present with you in it, because you know from what the Bible tells us that Jesus himself is God. That Jesus was there in the beginning when the heavens and the earth were created. That Jesus brought the oceans into being. That Jesus designed and put into motion all the fluid mechanics that control how water moves across the planet of the earth in lakes and seas and oceans and rivers and even how it swells in different directions when it goes down toilets, depending on whether you're in the northern or the southern hemisphere. That Jesus is the one who controls the weather. That even if the most perfect weather app might be able to predict the forecast, that Jesus knows perfectly and absolutely if that pattern is going to change. And that as God, He is loving, He is good. Now, if you were on the boat, wouldn't we ask him, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're perishing? Now, while we might need to imagine that we're on the boat, we don't need to imagine that we're perishing. We're perishing, aren't we? We're dying. <coughs> Already this morning I've had conversations with a couple of people that have told me of their ailments that, that, that mean we are perishing. We don't have life how we wish that we had life. We're aware that our bodies are falling apart and failing. We're aware that we're heading towards a grave. In the video of Japan we saw very starkly cemeteries and death. We might not be facing fierce dark storm clouds in a flimsy boat, but our lives are threatened. The cells that God created in our bodies to give us life are the very ones that mutate into cancer and attack our bodies and take life. Cars 
that in our wisdom and technological advancement give us a mobility to life. But when they crash, take that mobility away. Relationships that God has given as warm places of love and security can become cold homes of fear and conflict. The amazing connectivity that the internet brings, we are so aware, also opens a door for lonely attacks on people who are different. We are so, we're as conscious as ever that none of us can hold back death. We are under a dark cloud and we want to cry out, God, don't you care that we are perishing? Let's hear again Jesus' answer to our question. When Jesus' friends ask the question, this is the answer, verse 39. Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Does Jesus care about those who are perishing? Yes, Jesus cares about those who are dying. In the face of death, he acts to show his friends that he does care. He spoke and the wind ceased blowing and there was a great calm. Now this isn't just an isolated account of Jesus' care of those who are dying. This is not a one-off moment where Jesus shows that he loves those who are living under a dark cloud. As we read through the Gospel accounts in the New Testament, we see what Jesus did. He saved his friends here from the storm. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He enabled the paralyzed to walk. He raised people from the dead. Everything of Jesus' life says, yes, I do care. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the dark clouds, Jesus is the one who can say, peace, be still. Now, nothing says this more than Jesus' own death. The whole trajectory of Jesus' life, every moment of him reaching out to those who were perishing and him showing his love and care, is all working towards Jesus' death on the cross. Where Jesus suffered a humiliating death, where he was nailed to the cross, not because he got something wrong, not because his mission in life failed, not because something caught him up that he didn't see coming. It was Jesus' great plan in obedience to his heavenly Father that on the cross he would show that he does care for those who are dying. 
He went to the cross so that he might deal with the dark clouds of death. He went to the cross so that he might deal with sin. The Bible tells us that death in God's world is a consequence of our failure to acknowledge him. From the very first humans who were made through to the precious baby that is being born right now, we have hearts that are more self-centred than God-centred. We're all the same in this. Every single one of us. It's not a measure of how bad or how naughty we are or a measure of how good we might be in the world or how loving or kind. Our hearts are more self-centred than, than what they are God-centred. The Bible describes this as sin. And because of this sin, because of this rebellion, because of this self-centeredness in our relationship with God, we are under the dark cloud of his punishment. We're under the dark cloud of death. But God cares. He cares so much that Jesus dies to deal with our self-centeredness. Jesus does what we can't do for ourselves. He walks through the darkest cloud, through the valley of the shadow of death. He walks through that to death on a cross and walks out the other side to new life. And in that, he gives us hope. We turn with me, please, to Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. These three verses here are a, a new discovery for me. I've read them before, I've known them in the Bible. I once spent three years preaching through Romans. We've done Romans in a short series here before. Over Easter weekend, and I was reading through Romans, for the first time ever, I read chapter 4, verse 25, and then turned over to chapter 5, verse 1. I think I read it out loud here on Good Friday or Easter Sunday and was struck by how much these two verses belong together. Now, for those who have been reading the Bible for a little while, you'll know that when, whether it was the Apostle Paul or John or whoever was writing down different parts of the Bible, didn't write verse numbers and didn't write chapter numbers and it did flow on. And I've been really struck by the Easter truths of these couple of verses. They capture for us the hope that we can have because of the answer that Jesus gives to our question. Chapter 4 in Romans, verse 25. He is speaking about Jesus. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Oh, we had to stop there. I said we're going to read on. Ah, oh, can't go past the word justification though. Uh, this time last year we we're doing a series, big words that end in shun. Justification is one of those. Justification is being put into a right 
relationship with God. Okay? Let's read it again. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now I want to just spend a moment on that phrase, glory of God. Uh, The phrase can be used in all kinds of helpful ways. Um, The word glory can be used in all kinds of different ways, but here in Romans, and a lot of places in Romans, where it speaks of the glory of God or glory on its own, it's not talking about a... Uh, a, a, a reputation or a, a, a celebration or an honouring. It can mean all those kind of things and it can mean all those kind of things in the Bible. But here in Romans, glory of God describes new life in eternity with God. It uh, comes across in Romans chapter 8 as well, a marvellous chapter that talks about hope. You might like to look that up later. It taught glory of God tells us of life that is renewed, a life that is without death and sadness, a life where every dark cloud has passed away and where every storm is stilled. The glory of God is a life that is peace and still. And we see here in Romans that we are invited to know the hope of the glory of God. A hope that is not just wishful thinking, a hope that is not just cross your fingers and wish for the best, a hope that is sure and certain, a hope that can be a foundation, a hope that can be a perspective, a hope that can be a direction. It's the kind of hope that we can even boast in it Did you see that there? We boast in the hope of the glory of God. If you're using one of the new NIV Bibles, I think it says we boast in the hope of the glory of God. If you're using one of the church Bibles or an older NIV, have you got the word rejoice there? We rejoice in the uh, hope of the glory of God. Those two words kind of come together because it's not a kind of proud boasting, look what I've got. No, it is is not one of those boasts of... uh, arrogance, it's the kind of a boast though that is a confidence, a secure joy that we don't look down on others about but that we want others to know because we want others to be part of this secure confidence and secure joy that we have and so we boast and rejoice and make known our hope of the glory of God. Now, I'm not sure if my dark cloud from a few years ago has lifted. I'm not sure if it'll ever lift. I don't know if I was to do the exercise again today with a piece of paper and a marker pen, how big I would draw that cloud... I'm not so worried about it. 
some days they will be darker than others. More storms and clouds will come that I don't even know about yet, that will suck life from my face, where I will feel like the disciples in that boat again, that the wind is drilling into my ears and the waves are stinging my eyes and I will feel again, God, don't you care? I'm pretty sure that the dark clouds that hang over our world will continue to hang there and swirl around, that storms will rage... But when you and I yell into the wind, Jesus, don't you care? There's an answer. There's an answer for me, there's an answer for you that gives us hope. It's an answer that shows us a future where the storm has stopped and where the dark clouds are clear. And so that even now, under those dark clouds we can have peace. Are you someone who is perishing? Are you someone who is looking out on your friends and family, the world round about you, and feeling that there are dark clouds? Feeling fear and wishing for calm? We, we, we feel it in our own lives, in our own families and own friends, but how much in these past weeks in looking out to the wider world we've seen that? You haven't forgotten what happened in Christchurch, have you? I, I grew up in the hometown of the shooter. I knew that young man. I competed in a sporting team with his dad. My hometown hasn't forgotten about that. There are people that I went to school with who are my Facebook friends who think that young man is a hero. They are celebrating him. My friends. We live under a dark cloud. On Easter Sunday, we prayed for God's protection over Christians who would meet that day. And what happened in Sri Lanka? God, don't you care? More than a couple of my friends have loved ones who were killed in Sri Lanka over Easter weekend. God, don't you care? If we're bold enough to ask the question and God is big enough to hear it, then I must listen to his answer. I invite and encourage you to listen to his answer. Jesus says, peace, be still, because he was delivered over to death for our sins.
he was raised to life so that we could be right with God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast. We have a secure joy and confidence in the hope of the glory of God.